Chapter 4 of A Short History of Russia by Lucy Casley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Violet Blue of Albertville. The Rise of the Princedom of Shuzdal and of Novgorod the Great. Among the sons of Vladimir Monomakh, the most remarkable was Yuri Dolguruki, which means George of the Long Arms, Prince of the Suzdal, a large tract of land between the upper reaches of the Volga and the Oka. He was a very warlike prince, and after many struggles succeeded in possessing himself of Kiev. But his chief claim to remembrance is that he was the founder of Moscow, which was destined to become the most important town of Russia. He chose for its site a hill on the left bank of the Moskva, just where it is joined by the little river Neglinaya, and there built a small wooden town round a hermit's cell. This later on became the famous Kremlin, or Citadel of Moscow, A.D. 1147. Yuri's son, Andrei Bogolyubsky, succeeded his father in Suzdal, and at once sent an army to reconquer Kiev, which had regained its independence at his father's death. The town was stormed in 1169, and for two days it was given over to pillage by the Suzdal men. Having thus made himself master of Kiev, Andrei did not go and live there, but removed his capital to the town of Vladimir on the Klyazma in the land of Suzdal, and gave Kiev to his youngest brother Chleb. After that, Kiev lost all its importance, while Vladimir became the chief city of Russia. Andrei strove to increase his dominions by attacking the prosperous town of Novgorod, but his army was most disastrously defeated. He then hit upon the plan of forbidding his subjects to sell grain to the people of Novgorod, and this prohibition put the people of Novgorod to such inconvenience that they sent an envoy to him, suing for peace and accepting one of his sons to be their prince. Andrei ruled Suzdal as absolute monarch, gave no lands either to his brothers or his sons, brooked no interference, and would not, as was customary, ask the advice of the boyars. He treated them very harshly and even put some of them to death. This so incensed the boyars that about twenty of them formed a conspiracy to kill him, and he was murdered in his palace in 1174. His brother, Sevalod II, who succeeded him, avenged his death by having his murderers sewn up in socks and thrown into a lake. At the beginning of the thirteenth century, Russia was composed of seven independent princedoms, Kiev, Suzdal, Smolensk, Chernigov, Volnya, Galich, and Novgorod. Of these, Novgorod, extending from the Gulf of Finland, the upper Volga, and Lake Pipus, to the White Sea, and almost to the Ural Mountains, was the largest. The country was covered with dense forests, and had a barren, sandy soil, so the people naturally turned more to trade than to agriculture. Novgorod, the chief town, was a flourishing trading center, and was in every way the most remarkable of Russian towns. It was in constant communication with the free towns of the Hanseatic League, and carried on a brisk trade in fur, tallow, hides, and hemp, and imported arms, cloth, wines, and other foreign products. The power of the princes of Novgorod was very limited, and their reign depended entirely on the will of the people. The supreme power was vested in the Vice, which was a public meeting or council, summoned by a bell and held in the big square. It was attended by all the inhabitants of Novgorod, both boyars and commoners, and decided all matters of importance. 
Vecce had the power to elect or depose the prince, declare war, judge criminals, elect all municipal officers, the chief of whom was called the Posadnik, and even to designate three candidates for the archbishopric. The names of these three candidates were written down, and the scrolls placed on the high altar of the Church of San Sofia and a blind man or a small boy was sent to take two away the candidate whose name remained on the altar then became archbishop novgorod became a most rich and powerful town and was usually spoken of as the lord great novgorod next in size was suzdal which lay rather to the southeast of novgorod along the valleys of the volga kliasma oka and their tributaries it was a land of forest and bog interspersed with tracts of open country and cut by many winding rivers which in the absence of roads formed natural channels of communication between the chief towns the soil was poor and badly tilled but in the fields rye buckwheat flax and hemp could be cultivated and the forest supplied quantities of timber bark and bast the people were intelligent and pushing and carried on many industries which supplied not only their own but also their neighbors needs and made the towns of suzdal into flourishing trading centers while their korobainiki peddlers or packmen carried their goods all over russia smolensk situated to the southwest of suzdal was smaller and far less important than its more powerful neighbors although its climate and natural features were almost identical it was the halfway house on the way from suzdal to lithuania and the other lands of what is now west russia and as it formed the watershed between the dnieper and the western dvina it had a large carrying trade along these rivers chernigov lying along the desna with its valuable forests and kiev in the valley of the dnieper were the most fertile princedoms of russia the soil was rich and agriculture and cattle breeding formed the principal occupation of the people besides this the town of kiev carried on a brisk trade with constantinople and was not only the mother of russian cities but the intellectual centre of the whole country this continued until it was sacked by andrei bogolyubsky prince of suzdal when the prestige of kiev gradually waned and two powerful rivals volnia and galich arose on its western border Volnia was a fertile corn-growing land lying between the upper reaches of the Pripyat and the western of the southern Bug. It had strong cities such as Vladimir Volinsk, Dorogobuzh, and a warlike population, and for years it was the bulwark of Russia against the Poles and Lithuanians. Galich, lying to the southwest of Volnia, between it and the Carpathians, was gradually absorbed by its warlike neighbor and became a province of Volnia. It was mostly a level plain, fertile and well watered, except in the part occupied by the foothills of the Carpathians, where it was densely covered with forests and the country was wild and broken. Its ancient capital, Galich, was situated on the Dniester, and another town, Peremishal, was important even in the eleventh century. End of chapter four. Recording by Violet Blue of Albertville.